Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to the show. It's a delight to be with you again today as we discover and start working in our superpower. Angela Williams is a co-founder of the Academy Presents and a managing partner in Lauren Capital, LLC. She has experience in single-family rentals, residential multifamily rentals, multifamily syndication, and oil and gas investing. Angela received a Bachelor of Business Administration from Baylor University in 2000 and a Master's of Science in Economics in 2002. Angel, welcome to the show and share a memorable experience that helped you to be who you are today. Oh, wow. So, so many memorable experiences, but I was raised by my grandparents. My grandparents invested in commercial real estate. They got in the late 70s. And for anyone that knows some of the economic history, the late 70s, early 80s are being referenced now because that was, you know, the federal funds rate was 11.9 and 79. By 80, it was 20%. And there's a lot of fear that some of that is going to be playing out over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. <laughs> so, but that was a really great time to get involved in real estate. And my grandparents did. And so I was born in 76. And I remember a point where I was very young. I had very short hair. And my grandma put my hair in those two little pigtails. <laughs> but the thing I remember most is that she put her hair the same way. Mm. And so she and I had our little pigtails go in and we got in the old blue truck and drove to where my grandpa was working on some apartments. And it was a small little quadplex that they had and they self-managed that thing. And I can remember even after my grandma passed away, my grandpa was still going door to door at the beginning of the month and collecting rents from the renters. And it's not a sad memory. It was just at that moment, I knew that I would never (laughs) self-manage. And so people think that's really sad. But what it did was it created in me a need to never be in that same position. And it was 100% worth whatever I had to pay (laughs) to not have to do that work because it was hard. And my grandparents, you know, they grew up at a different time. My grandpa was an amazing sheetrocker. So he could do a lot of those repairs. Well, that's not my skill set. And my husband's a chemical engineer and he can do some handyman stuff, but all of that sheetrock stuff, that's not really his specialty either. And so, you know, he watched his family with their residential real estate investing as well. And so it was really cool when we got our first house. I don't remember us ever discussing that it would be our first rental, but we both knew it would be. And part of it comes from those memories that we had as kids. And, you know, it's a very vivid memory with those pigtails that we had. (laughs) But I just remember she was taking grandpa food. Yeah. And he was working on that apartment. And I was very young. It was before I'd started school. But that was a it was a very formative moment for me because it really determined what I would do as an adult with my own rentals. Well, as hard as it is to do your own property management and to do it really on a small scale, it really is, is even more difficult, I believe. And I can see why you would hesitate to do that yourself. And yet just think of how much further ahead your grandparents were than probably 90% of the population who don't have a single rental to their name and a good, I don't know, 25, 30% of the population doesn't even have a home to their name. So they were far ahead of of a lot of people. Absolutely. Well, what are you talking about, Angela, when you're talking about superpower? What is that? (laughs) So my husband's an engineer 
And so I've always just assumed that he has a hard time talking to people because he's an engineer and he's not just an engineer. He had his doctorate in chemical engineering when he was 26. So he's like a doctor engineer, right? (laughs) So I just assumed that was why he couldn't talk to people and he can, he just has, he has a lot of difficulty with the small talk that starts conversations. And so that's where we realized that I don't have that issue at all. I will talk to anybody. I think it's fun to talk to people. I love going to events. I love being around people, big time extrovert. But when we got in with our coach now, one of the first things he had us do was send out two questions to five people. He was like, okay, send this email out to five people. It's these two questions. What is this person's natural talent? And what does this person do better than anyone else? So I sent it out to 10 people thinking five people would respond. I actually got seven responses and they all basically said the same thing. She'll talk to anybody. She'll build an instant friendship. And half the time she has them doing something for her by the end of the day. And I was like, what? That's not a talent. (laughs) Well, I guess it is. (laughs) And so we really started building on that. And my husband did the same thing. And his emails were a little bit different, but it was, he got a lot of, he's very dependable. He's methodical. He's logical. And so we got a lot of those things. And he also loves numbers and spreadsheets and all of the things that he was told that he had by his email, by the people that he sent the email out to, let him know that he needed to be on that part of the team. The underwriting, the asset management part, you know, the project management, that was where he was going to excel. And so, you know, I kind of tell people, he tells me I shouldn't say this, but I tell people he's like the gold standard with that intrinsic value. And I'm like a fiat currency. It's only because people think there's value there because I don't feel like I have intrinsic value like he does. He's, he brings a super skill to the table and I'm not just biased and bragging, but he's probably one of the best underwriters out there. He coded our entire spreadsheet. It is 100% his superpower. And we discovered that I've got a pretty good memory because they say, the experts say that you can usually store 200 to 300 people in your brain. I'm probably somewhere around a thousand, maybe more. And I can recall their names. I can recall facts about them, maybe what they do. And so that's been very important in the networking activities and everything I do because a lot, I'm really bad with faces, which is weird. But once I've seen you enough times, I'm going to remember your name. I'm going to remember if you do things like you go out to eat barbecue wherever your kids last tennis tournament. I'm going to remember like if you like this kind of food or if you like to do things like if you like to go out on four by four trails, or I'm going to remember those weird things, which it comes in kind of handy. And the biggest benefit that we saw with it was I don't have to do a lot of those. Oh, it's been two weeks. I need to follow up because when you're following up with somebody, it's for continuity of story. But if you can remember your last conversation, even if it was a year ago, and you can have that continuity of story, I don't think those follow-ups matter quite as much. Because if you think about your childhood friends, your childhood best friend, it could be a decade. You haven't talked to them in a decade, but when you get on the phone, you're not going to miss a beat. It's going to be like you were talking yesterday. And that's what I talk about with the continuity of story. If you can remember those things, and if you can't remember those things, there's tricks. Go on Facebook, go on LinkedIn, See what they've been up to. And that's going to give you something to talk about. Now, I have had people say, man, what the heck are you stalking me? And I'm like, I swear I'm not stalking you. I just remember a lot of what I hear and see. And so if I've seen something pass through on Facebook and when I'm talking to somebody, you're like, hey, I just saw that on your Facebook page. Then you can bring it up and you can bring those things up naturally to where it doesn't seem like, oh, you're scary. But those are just some kind of tricks. And once we realized that that was absolutely my skill set. I quit worrying about, I need to learn how to underwrite because numbers, all those spreadsheets, they literally make me nauseous. I don't want to underwrite. I don't want to learn how to underwrite. I want to have a basic understanding so that I can go to the summary tab and tell you where things are. 
but I don't want to know why the cash on cash is this or why the IRR could potentially be this. I just don't want to know those things because it's, they're just arbitrary numbers to me. It's like, yay, eight. It's just an <laughs> arbitrary number to me. I mean, I can tell you theories behind things, but that's, I always feel like when you take time away from your superpower to work on your weakness, it's like at the end of the day, you're still just a beginner. Well, I don't want to be a beginner. I want to be amazing. And so that's why I really stress and tell people, man, find somebody to put on your team that can cover your weaknesses because working on your weaknesses, you're still just going to be a beginner. And there's really no mathematical way to catch up with the people that are stellar in that area already. So don't take away from your superpowers. Just keep building them up and find other people that can help you out. Because once you become like one of those top players in your skill set, the people that are going to fill the holes are going to be drawn to you. Angela, that's a brilliant example of what superpowers can do for us and an excellent explanation as to the benefits of working towards our superpowers and uh, and forgetting really essentially our weaknesses. We just beat ourselves up so oftentimes when we are striving to do something that is a weakness and an inherent weakness. I mean, we can always improve on whatever it is we're doing. But like you say, it it becomes a waste of time to try to be a jack of all trades. And essentially, you've heard that old expression, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And that's exactly what happens. And in order to compete really in anything, but certainly in a dynamic environment like real estate investing, we need to be masters of what it is that we're doing. Angel, it certainly sounds to me like you have a very dynamic team just between you and your husband because your fiat currency superpowers are absolutely critical to a successful real estate investing team. And lacking those superpowers, I can really understand how critical they really are and really envy you in having those super skills. So tell us your journey here. You started out single family investing. Your first home, you purchased it to live in and then converted to a rental project. You had learned early on that you weren't going to do that. Why did you do that? So residential real estate is... It's simple. If you're somebody out there that has never bought residential real estate to invest in, it seems like a mountain right now. But once you've been doing it a while, and if you make the leap into residential multis or you make the leap into commercial multis, backing up into that comfort zone of the residential singles is going to feel like going back to grandma's house. I love single families. They're, they used to be difficult. I remember. And now we can tour a single family. We can find out what the tax value is. We can find out what their ask is. And we actually get like a gut feel and we're like, I think I want to offer this. Now we've got a realtor that will basically offer anything. He doesn't tell us, oh no, you don't want to do that. You want to offer this instead or, oh, you shouldn't go that low. No, he just offers what we say. And if they don't come back, he'll be like, you know, I don't think they're entertaining that. Do we want to go up? And so we've got a really good relationship with our realtor for those single families. But we've got six singles, a quad, a couple of duplexes, and then we've got the two oil wells. But I'm never going to tell someone that they shouldn't do residential if that's their comfort zone because those single families have served us well. Our house in Lubbock that we bought in 03 that became really our first rental in 07. We've cash out, re- we've cash out refied that thing so many times. 
<laughs> I don't know how much money we've pulled out of it, enough to invest. And it's still doing amazing things. So single families and you know your quads and your duplexes, all of those residential things can be amazing stores of value. And you can get infinite returns on those pretty quickly. And what I mean by infinite returns is once you've pulled out all of your original investment money, so once you have no more dollars tied up in that investment, you're still making money on nothing. Those are infinite returns. <laughs> and there is nothing out there that can beat a property with infinite returns. Well, absolutely. Angela, tell our audience what you have to offer and how it is they can take advantage of that. Absolutely. So I do a couple of summits every year. We do two three-day virtual summits on real estate investing. Some of it is kind of grown as my husband and I have grown. So it's a little more multifamily lean now. So it's, if that's what you're looking to get into, that's what you're going to find. I do have some people that are in residential, so you wouldn't be totally left out. And we do that twice a year. We do one in March, one in September. And I want to say they both occur on that third full weekend of the month. So we have I think the last one was like March 23rd, 24th, 25th. And then the one that the ones we have in September are usually around that same time, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 24th, 25th, 26th, kind of in that part of the month. And we do those every year. We've done five or six so far. So they're a lot of fun. We have about 50 to 55 speakers, panelists, and moderators. So it's grown. The very first one was 24. So it's grown a lot. And there is a free access portion. So as an educator, I like to share information. It's near and dear to my heart. And so I use those summits to just share information with people. There is a live portion that does carry a cost, but there is plenty of information at the free access level. We also hold a virtual meetup every Monday. It's called the Marvelous Mondays Meetup. I did start it selfishly. I was having a hard time getting going on Monday. I was getting into a real, you know, a real, you know, the swing of things. I had my groove by Wednesday. Well, by Friday, who wants to work a full day Friday? So I was getting like two and a half work days out of every week. And I was like, this is insane. I got to do something that's going to make me start on Monday. And so I started the Marvelous Mondays Meetup for me. And now I think there's other people that use it for the same reason. It's just to really make yourself get started at the beginning of the week instead of the middle of the week. So we have that going. And then we've got the podcast and we've got some workshops and it's on our website. It's www.theacademypresents.com. It gets a little bogged down and wonky sometimes. I swear we're working on it. But it is a valid website and it's got all of our information on there as well. And all of that information is, of course, going to be in the show notes. Awesome. Angel, you talked a little bit about this first residential home that you purchased in Lubbock and how it is that you've refinanced it time and time again. How does all of that work for a real estate investor? So basically... Properties just appreciate over time. There are some that don't. So that's not a blanket statement, but the majority of properties are going to appreciate over time. So even if you're not doing anything to the property, it's still going to go up in value. And as it goes up in value, your equity grows in the property. You're also making monthly payments that are building equity. So between appreciation and your monthly payments, you build up this equity in the property. And the way you gain access to that is with a cash out refi. And so that's what we do. And you can actually do that in multifamily too. The first time I ever heard about it was through Sam Newell. He does that in El Paso. And I was like, what? You're getting infinite returns on an apartment complex? I am all in at that point because in that moment, multifamily like joined in my head as a single family. And I was like, <laughs> because before it was like two totally different things. And I felt like I was having to learn a whole new set of skills for something that really isn't that much different. It, as far as like what goes into it, completely different beast. But the basics of it, they're really very similar. I mean, they actually are. There really is no difference in terms of multifamily and single family homes. The 
complexity of the contracts, of course, that increases, but they're the same contract. They're just a tad bit more complex and your lending processes are going to be a little bit more complex, but they're the same thing. And if you can do single family, you can certainly do multifamily as well. Angel, what was one of your major setbacks in life and what did you learn from that? And how did you come through that time? Well, there've been a few and one of them, it's going to sound like a setback, but at the end of the day, I don't think it was. So in 2010, we had our son and I knew something was going on. I didn't know how to put my finger on it, but I knew something was going on. He was our second. We had our daughter, we had our daughter in 2007 and we had Anson in 2010. Well, at 19 months old, we got a diagnosis for Anson and it showed a really rare genetic condition. And so, you know, I can remember being very upset and I was raised by my grandparents. So I got that old school mentality of we need a son to carry the name. And so I'm crying. I'm telling my husband, man, I'm sorry. I couldn't give you a perfect baby boy. And, you know, Jason looked at me. He said, you know, (laughs) what if it wasn't Anson that was given to us, but us that were given to Anson? Because in God's eyes, we're all equal like that. And so it was just as likely that we were given to him as it was that he was given to us. And so that was in in that moment, what I thought was a major setback was no longer a setback. Now we still have massive medical bills. I mean, his one of his therapies alone is 100 to $120,000 a year. That's his ABA because he has profound autism. But on the flip side of that, it taught me a perseverance that is unparalleled. I do not take no for an answer. I will continue to call. I will continue to follow up. You will be sick of me, but I'll keep coming at you till I get the yes I need. <laughs> and so it, it taught us perseverance and it taught us so much about advocacy and being willing to stand up for yourself and being willing to be shot down over and over again and told no over and over and over again and just continuing to go forward. And so where a lot of people would have been like, oh man, that's a major setback. It was, but at the same time, it turned into something that really made us who we are. So, yeah. Angel, it's interesting how those setbacks in life, we can look back on them and find those jewels that are really a blessing in disguise and they can make all the difference in life. It's all in a matter of how you handle them and deal with them. Many people have said this. There's nothing original about this, but all of our setbacks in life are, they can defeat us or they can help us to grow and develop and help us to progress on in life. And I know that in conjunction with the issues you were having with your son, it is not just the concern of the life that he is going to lead and all of the issues associated with that. It's like you mentioned, it is the death of hopes and dreams for yourself. And how are you going to deal with that? How are you going to move forward is a very big decision. I look back on probably the most tragic thing in my life. I thought it was tragic at the time, but I look back on it as the worst day in my life, but it was also the best day of my life. And retrospectively, I still think it was the best day of my life, but it doesn't take away the pain. It always hurts. No, it doesn't. And like we grieve the son we lost and it's hard because he's still alive, but you grieve the child that you imagine that you were going to have. And Anson's amazing. His life is tough, but he doesn't know it's tough. He doesn't know that it's not normal to wear diapers at almost 12. He doesn't know that it's not normal to only have a a 
small set of words or that his sisters are insanely independent and make me want to pull my hair out sometimes. That's by design because they have to be willing and able to step up for him and be his advocates when my husband and I are no longer here. And so, I mean, there are days when I just absolutely want to throw them all out of the house (laughs) and say, fend for yourself. You know, the 14-year-old probably be all right. The five-year-old and seven-year-old, not so much. But it's, it's knowing that we had to create them to be independent like that so that when Jason and I are no longer here, we can leave behind a legacy and generational wealth so that all they have to worry about is loving their brother. They don't have to worry about where in the heck is the money going to come from to take care of him. They just have to worry about loving him and making sure that they're giving him a level of care that they're used to seeing him receive now or better. Yeah. So, And that that's why we went into multifamily really was because we knew we, we needed something that was a little bit more scalable than what we were getting in residential. So that was what really, it was one of the real drivers. Yeah. Angel, it has been a pleasure having you. Enlightened Investors, thanks for joining us again today for a wonderful conversation with Angel Williams. Thank you, Angel. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.